Have you ever had the experience where you think somebody's tried to convince you that you're wrong about something even when you're not? Today, we're gonna to be talking about gaslighting. If you want to find out more about how you can improve your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where you can also take our free online conflict style quiz and discover your conflict style in your relationships. Welcome to today's podcast and today we're talking about gaslighting. Yes, so it's one of these terms um, that has been bandied about a lot in recent years. I think one of the uh, online dictionaries um, actually uh, uh, used the term gaslight as their term for 2022, which is quite interesting. So lots of people talk about gaslighting and we want to talk a little bit about well, what it is, um, how it might manifest, how you might experience it um, and also um, how what you might do to uh, if you find yourself in a situation where you feel you are frequently gaslighted or gaslit, I'm not sure what the right term is, by your partner or by, it might, might be a friend, it might be your uh, your manager at work, it could be happening with lots of people in different kind of contexts. Yes, so uh, gaslighting, I mean, I remember when I trained as a psychotherapist back in the 90s, um, I had never heard the term. Mm. And it's not a term that's really used in a sort of psychological kind of literature. No, it's not a it's, clinical yeah, term that's become been something used. that's become, you, you know, I think virtually everybody has heard the term and mm. probably a lot of people have used the term. Mm. Um, and it's something that, that has been used very kind of commonly. It's thrown around social media, um, everywhere. You know, we're coming across this term. So, you know, let's talk a bit about, first of all, what is gaslighting? Yeah, it comes from uh, a play that was written in the 1930s and then uh, which was followed uh, by a film in 1944, which is called Gaslight. And in this film, I think there is a very manipulative and devious husband who tries to convince his wife that she's going mad. So he uses various techniques and one of them is that he he tempers with the gaslights. He makes them flicker in the film or in the play. Uh, and uh, and then when the wife noticed the flicker, he denies that this flicker is actually taking place. So he denies her perception uh, of reality to the point that she actually feels she is going mad. So this uh, so this is where the term is coming from. It's this idea that you're that you provide it with a narrative by the person, the gaslighter. Uh, a narrative which kind of makes your question your sense of reality. Yes, and, and the thing with gaslighting is probably most of us have been guilty of some mild form of it to mm. some extent at some point in our life. Mm. Because essentially, at, at its highest level, it's really about refusing to hear what somebody else is saying, in particular our partner, even if they're in the right. So it might continually disagree with them over some tiny little thing mm -hmm. even when you don't really know your position so we have this sort of intention to hold our position even though we may know it might not be right um, so from time to time you know it can be fairly harmly harmless where it's kind of a pettiness mm -hmm. but where we refuse to budge from our situation mm -hmm. but where it becomes really problematic is where it becomes more abusive Mm. So where it's done consistently over a period of time and we, you know, with gaslighting, it becomes really an issue when it is done 
consistently, where it has that effect of making somebody doubt their own beliefs or doubt their own ideas about anything. So, oh, in that film example, where somebody starts to question their own sanity, um, this can have a huge effect on self-esteem and confidence, where we really just don't, don't have a sense of who we are anymore. Mm. Uh, and it's used in abusive relationships by partners as a way of controlling. Mm. And, you know, this can be hugely problematic. Yeah, really. I mean, because uh, as you say, there might be an element of gaslighting. A mild, I mean, I think maybe there's, there's a sort of distinction here between a mild form of it uh, and uh, actually a very dangerous form of gaslighting which plays out in controlling relationships so this sort of milder form is this whole is really related to a different perception yeah that we all have different perceptions and we just started for example we just started watching um uh, a tv series uh, called the affair we haven't watched all of it yet we just watched the first episode and it's quite interesting the 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 point of view here in this narrative is that um that the two main um characters in the film start off by describing uh, a situation and experience that they had, how they first met each other. And both of them has got a completely different account. It's really ultimately almost like the two separate events that took place here. So arguably you could say that if one of them were to recount to the other what happened in the past when they first met, that the other one might say, well, that's not true. That's not how it happened. It was completely different, that they might be gaslighting each other. That's a sort of mild form, right? But what we're talking about, what we're concerned about in, in the podcast today is the is this sort of really quite serious, manipulatively intentional form of denying somebody's experience and reality. Yes, I mean, because, you know, there are lots of situations in life where we are, our memories aren't 100% accurate. Yeah. We do distort things in our memory. And um, some research has also shown that the more that we tell people about certain situations, which might have even been exaggerated, the more we start to actually distort our memory of them themselves. Mm. So memories can get distorted. And, you know, say it's, for example, about something you did when you're on holiday, just something very minor, you may have different kind of accounts or different kind of perceptions or slightly different memories of it. But th these things, they might just be like a little disagreement, but they mm. don't really cause necessarily a major issue. Mm. But where the intention is to mislead, I think that's the key thing. Mm. So in some literature, it says that you know, with gaslighting, it's, it's that intention to deceive, intention to manipulate, mm. that intention to basically cause somebody to doubt their own perceptions mm. that's where it becomes really problematic and really abusive mm -hmm. yes i wonder even i mean i, I wonder for example uh, we've talked about abusive uh, relationships before we've talked uh, we've had quite a few podcasts uh, in the past about narcissism for example and uh, experiencing narcissistic abuse arguably you could say that somebody who's a narcissist might not even have might not even do this kind of gaslighting intentionally, but they do it. They do it sort of pathologically almost. They can't help themselves but do it, so to speak. So I think it's this, yeah, there might be something about intention, but there certainly is also something about outcome, isn't there, and about how the person who's at the receiving end of the gaslighting is affected. Um, so when they really, when it really starts to seriously undermine their sense of self-worth, their confidence... Um, their trust in themselves, so to speak. That's really when, when we have a problem, isn't it? Yeah, and for, for that to happen, there has to be a power imbalance. Yeah. 
So there has to be somebody where there's that, uh, somebody who's in a position maybe of more power or perceived more control, and somebody who's in a position of less power and control. So, um, you know, this is very much somebody who maybe has had difficult experiences in childhood, where they're quite insecure, they may find it that they, they're more willing to, because they want to kind of maintain a relationship. Like, for example, if somebody is more insecurely attached, um, if they have more of an anxious attachment style, there might be that need to kind of not be abandoned. So there's the possibility where we might latch on to and think, well, I'm going to take on board what this person is saying, because if I don't, I'm going to lose this relationship. Mm. So that's one possibility. It could also be the other way around as well, that somebody who's anxiously attached could create these stories as well to to sustain this narrative in a relationship to try and hold on to it too. Yeah, because you could also say that somebody who is the gaslighter uh, is, is, uh, is, is insecurely attached as well. Because otherwise, why would they have the need to be manipulative, to be controlling, to exert this kind of power over their partner. That's usually driven by um, insecurity as well. Yeah, it's insecurity, although that may not be necessarily fear of abandonment. It could be to do with the sort of the fear of uh, basically, you know, that that feeling that they, they're not lovable. Mm. And so someone, you know, I've seen this with their various situations with people where um, there are... Uh, they get involved with lots of people at one time because, you know, I think we talked about that that word cushioning. So there's lots of mm. different people on the go because mm. there's that sense that they're, you know, deep down at the core that they're not lovable. So they have to have all these different people trying to prove they are lovable. Mm. And, you know, as part of this gaslighting, it's sometimes the story that, oh, no, that this is the only person, this is the only one. And these stories are kind of constructed to basically just make sure that they sustain these people around them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think what's also relevant um, in terms of uh, power, talking about power dynamics, is that usually when there is one person who is the gaslighter, the other one who's gaslighted or gaslit, um, there's only one person really who usually does the listening in this, in this kind of relationship. There's one person who uh, is... Uh, is listening, is considering it from their partner's perspective, that's usually the person who is the gaslit person, the victim, so to speak, at the receiving end of being gaslit. Uh, and there's usually one person who is consistently kind of engaging in this pattern of negating somebody else's truth and questioning their, uh, you know, questioning events, questioning what really happened, throwing sort of doubt uh, and mistrust into the equation and into the relationship. So it's, and, and it's also, that's always, uh, you know, there's always one person who's always telling the other, oh, you know, you're rea you are really mad or you're irrational. If only you weren't so irrational, if only if you weren't so emotional, that might be something also that might be thrown the victim's way, so to speak. If only you could think a little bit more clearly, then we wouldn't have this problem here. Yeah, so putting the blame onto the other person. And it can start off very subtly, just little things that, you know, maybe we're not totally sure about. Mm -hmm. And there's different kind of strategies that people in a gaslighting use as well. And one of these is um, very difficult to say, obfuscation, mm -hmm. where you're trying to kind of cloud your kind of make the, make the actual situation a bit murky in terms of what happened. Mm -hmm. So it's throwing a bit of confusion in. So it's not totally clear and you kind of often lose track of, could this be true, couldn't it? But then as gradually as the kind of story goes on and on, as you get more 
yeah, you know, as the person who's doing the gaslighting continues with this, um, people may be more prone to taking on board these stories. Mm. Um, so, so it can build up from something small into something bigger over time where people start to really lose a sense of themselves. Mm. So they lose a sense of their own self-belief, their confidence. Yeah, or another technique that is often used by gaslighters is to pretend that they don't really quite understand what their partner is saying. Well, really, I don't quite know what you mean here. It's kind of, again, it's all about making it a little bit more unclear, the situation, or or just not really, um, not really taking on board what the other person is saying. So making it unclear, uh, or often also just uh, steering the conversation away from the very topic that they were talking about, staying the uh, steering the conversation away from something that might they, that they might experience as uncomfortable. So it's kind of doing anything to avoid a conversation really about the very troubling thing that the person who's gaslit might want to talk about. Yeah, so you know, I, I suppose we could give an example of a situation where somebody might be gaslighting, just to kind of clarify it. Mm. Um, so as, as a, a made-up sort of case study, you might mm. have a couple who've been in a relationship for a while, um, and one partner starts not coming home till very late, and sometimes not even coming home in the evening. And you know, the, the other person knows that they're working very hard, and this is the message they're kind of being told all the time, which is, you know, well, yeah, I've got to work so many hours just to make sure we have enough food on the table. Mm. Um, and then one day the partner then sees the other person uh, in a restaurant with, an, with somebody else and they seem to be quite intimate. Mm. Uh, and then, like, you know, later in the evening, this person comes home and, you know, one partner says to the other, well, you know, but I saw you, you know, you said you were at work, but I saw you in this restaurant. And the reaction might be, no, it wasn't. Don't be so daft. Yeah, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. me. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, that's probably someone who looked like me. I mean, you know, I'd say, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. of course it wasn't me. I was at work. And mm. it's it's like, you might kind of think, well, no, I'm sure that it was them. But it throws a little bit of doubt. Mm. And then, you know, things go on. And then suddenly, you know, one partner, you know, basically happens to see the person's uh, a text message on the phone pop up from, mm. from somebody else that they've mm. been having a relationship with. And it's clear that from the message, it seems to be that there's some sort of affair going on. Mm. And this is brought up and then, you know, the reaction might be like, well, how, how on earth could you interpret that as being an affair? You know, mm. that was nothing. It was probably, it was, it was a wrong message. It was a wrong number. It was someone sending me a message. I don't know who this person is. Yeah. You know, don't, you know you're so mean even accusing me of this. Mm, exactly. So you're starting to kind of even put evaluations and judgments on the other person. Yeah. So there might be some sort of counterattack then, right? Yeah, counterattack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, where you're made out to be the bad person, mm. when in fact, you know, this this is... And, and then you may feel guilty as a result, because you might think, actually, maybe this is my fault. Mm. Or, well, yeah, well, I wouldn't be having to... Um, I wouldn't be having to go out and see somebody else if you were actually nice to me, this sort of thing. So mm. it's sort of, you know, these mm. sort of mm. lies and manipulations that can become, you know, very destructive. Yeah, I mean, really, in extreme cases, extremely destructive. So, I mean, when we are talking about really serious um, uh, cases of gaslighting, this is really serious domestic abuse. Yeah, that um, somebody's experiencing um, that hasn't that shouldn't be taken very lightly. 
Um, and because uh, we've talked in previous podcasts as well about, we talked about domestic abuse, we talked about trauma bond. So if somebody is in a position where they are in this traumatic uh, relationship, uh, where they're consistently being manipulated, undermined, etc., they do lose all sense of um, uh, reality, of trust, of, you know, can I even trust myself here? Do I have some sense of what really is going on? They ultimately have to rely on the very person who is uh, providing them with all of these, uh, these, uh, this uh, false material or with their abuser. They have to identify with the abuser in order to keep safe. Um, so if you're interested in this subject or if this is something that you've experienced or you know someone who has experienced trauma of that kind, I would really uh, urge you to listen to a previous podcast that we have done about domestic abuse. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. So, um, so gaslighting in its extreme form can uh, can really seriously undermine to the extent that somebody might experience uh, a psychotic breakdown, almost where they really cannot uh, they cannot be sure anymore about what they are experiencing. Uh, and of course, there you've touched on that already, Tom. There is often likely to be a, an underlying disposition, so to speak, in terms of previous experiences where um, where somebody who is in this position where they're gaslit by their partner, they um, lack this kind of secure sense of, um, of strength and uh, reliance on themselves to make that judgment call. Um, so really what uh, would be helpful if you feel that you are experiencing uh, experiencing even a mild form of this is, you know, do some reality checking, have a conversation with somebody else who you trust about this situation. Just sort of check with them. What, what do they know about this situation to get a slightly more objective view of what's happening? And of course, objectivity is always a tricky one. Everyone has got, it's always coming from their own point of view. But just to get a slightly more rounded picture of your experience. Yeah, so it's getting that, being able to see that situation from the outside. So trying to step outside and kind of imagine you could see that situation and think, actually, you know, if I if I step out of this, what does it look like from the outside? Mm -hmm. And it is useful to speak to people you know, and sometimes as well, maybe speak to one or two people. Um, you know, if, you, if it's somebody who always takes you aside for things, it might be useful to also speak to somebody you know who is also more objective, just so you can get a real sense of, of what's going on there. Mm. Um, so basically, and, and and we talked about the fact that, you know, sometimes people are doing this intentionally and sometimes they aren't. Mm. Uh, but neither can be okay. Yeah. But I think that one of the things as well is being sure in yourself as well, when you start to evaluate that, that if, if it doesn't feel right... There's prop. There may be something that's going on, and we need to check that. We need to kind of be sure about that. Mm. Um, and if we feel that you know, our sense of ourself is being undermined consistently, that could be really problematic. So dealing with this early on is really important. Mm. And you know, as well, being clear that you know that this is not what you're experiencing. This is not what you remember. This is you know, trying to kind of have that self belief, building that belief, building that self esteem. Mm. Yes, having some sense of what's really going on here. So, um, you know, I, are you just being uh, incredibly sensitive? Are you being a bit paranoid here about what your partner is doing? 
um, is your partner really paranoid? And that's spilling over. So you, you know, you experience what we call emotional contagion here, where both of you are slightly paranoid and you kind of and worry all the time about what the other is doing. So it, it just sort of requires some clarification. And I mean, if you are in a um, in a in a, an abusive relationship with an extremely manipulative partner, you might not get very far with this com with having a conversation with your partner. You know, they will most likely deny this is ever happening and use this as another opportunity to highlight to you how paranoid or mad you are and how could you even imagine this so you're you're stuck and you, you've got a bit of a catch-22 situation here but uh, but if it's a sort of a milder form of um, of gaslighting where you feel like your partner might not even realize that they're constantly doubting uh, what you are doing or saying or they're constantly doubting your recollection of events then of course it would be good to just also bring it to their attention first of all um, to their awareness, to highlight, well, hang on, you seem to be doing this a lot of the time. Do you notice that you're doing this? So don't suffer in silence, as it were. Um, try to also highlight this, that this is your experience in the relationship. Because they, they might not notice that they're doing it. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's really important is communicate it, first of all. Mm. Um, because like we said, there are some things where we all made sometimes to a little extent have different perceptions of something. So being able to highlight this and also how open to listening to a different viewpoint is your partner. Mm. So somebody who is more manipulative, who is gaslighting intentionally, they're going to be completely deadlocked on that, no, mm. this is the way that it is. They're not going to listen to other opinions. Mm. And that's really, I think, the key is because, you know, when somebody's more open to listening to our viewpoints, you know, if, if somebody is willing to listen to how we're being affected negatively by what they're saying or doing, then there's that, there's that sense that, you know, maybe there is some way forwards. Mm -hmm. But when somebody totally denies your experience and basically makes you to be out to be the bad person, mm -hmm. um, then, you know, th th there's really no way you can go. You've got to have that channel of communication mm -hmm. open from both people. Mm -hmm. And you might also be in a situation where you don't notice uh, that you're being gaslit. Um, that, of course, can uh, go on if you have been in an emotionally abusive relationship for years. Um, this kind of thing has been going on for so long that you don't even recognize it anymore. Um, in that case, it might be quite helpful um, sometimes to, to listen to what your friends are saying, because they will notice it. They will see that there's something going on in the relationship that doesn't feel quite right. They might highlight it. They might tell you that, hang on, you know, your partner seems to con consistently undermine what you're saying. They seem to question your experiences all of the time. So it might be quite important to also listen to that. So if you are in a uh, whatever, if you are in a really uh, seriously abusive relationship, there's also an element of risk always. And we would, of course, urge you to seek some advice. There are uh, national helplines uh, for domestic abuse. You can, of course, always you can have a conversation with your um, GP, family doctor about this. Um, you can contact you can contact a counselor uh, or a psychotherapist and and have a discussion about it. So you might actually require a bit more help because I don't want to simplify this. Really, it's really quite a tricky situation that you're in a complicated and complex situation. Yeah, and I think sometimes it hasn't helped that the words being just being used so generally for anything yeah. these days. 
Um, and I think one other thing that just came to mind very briefly is, um, to me, I see some association with uh, the please others drivers as well in transaction analysis, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you know if we have a please others, we want the other person to be happy. So there's that sense because of things maybe that happened in our own experience as children, you know, we do everything to make sure that we please the other person so we may even take on board some of those stories or maybe more likely mm -hmm. to kind of take on board those stories because we desperately don't want the other person to be unhappy with us mm. yeah that's absolutely true yeah i mean you're more likely exactly it's it's, it's back to this whole um question of whether there are dispositions so to speak underlying dispositions based in your ex earlier experiences that might make you more prone to either be a gaslighter or a gaslighted partner in a relationship. Um, either way, of course, um, as we said earlier on already, is you know you're likely to have a, a lot of insecurity, yeah, yeah, in your life that have uh, made you more prone to be to engage in these kind of relationships. Yeah. So, and as Angela said, this is a really important topic and something to be aware of if you feel you are in this situation. Uh, and as Angela said, we've put some of the some details about organisations in the show notes as well if you need mm. to kind of speak speak to somebody. Yeah. Um, so please share this podcast with anybody you think it might benefit who might benefit from it, uh, and head over to therelationshipmaze.com if you'd like to find out more information about how to improve your relationship. Um, press subscribe right now and we look forward to speaking with you next week take good care until then bye